You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Laura Davis Taylor, Chief Strategy Officer of In Reality, with us. Laura has been focused on creating digital experiences that bridge home, life, and store for over 25 years both as a consultant and within the walls of the most lauded global agencies. Her experiences are multifaceted, ranging across brand planning, digital engagement, store design, CX, and retail innovation. She believes passionately that good brands do not make promises. They deliver experiences in unique ways that ignite revenue. Done right, it is this that builds rational brand and store loyalty. With this philosophy tied to her tireless passion, she's become an author, a teacher, an industry sage, a cheerleader, and as mentioned, in reality's chief strategy officer. Laura, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited about today's conversation. I know we're going to have a really hard time keeping it at 30 minutes, but we're going to see what we can do. Um, (laughs) Before I go in any further, though, tell the audience a little bit about your role, not only as chief strategy officer of in reality, but as a consultant as well. Okay, well, in reality is a really interesting company that I ended up at, frankly, because of my years in consulting. And what they do is they're a software platform that gathers the most important metrics at engagement points in stores for scale. So if you think about it like this, Melissa, we've got analytics at every single activation point for every other digital marketing except for digital home and digital store. And it's just it's it's wild to me because how do you do optimization and how do you make sure that something's working if you don't have analytics pumping at every single point of engagement right so that's what they do they were really about gathering traffic impressions engagement and conversions so that you can connect the digital connections and make sure that people either like it or if they don't you can optimize it so on the other side i also have a consultancy called branded ground where i'm really spending a lot of time helping people with how do i break through with my product or my message as we're trying to evolve the store, and particularly stores and media, the valued, measurable, optimized media vehicle. I love it. I've been having a lot of conversations about this, and is the store media? I mean, I don't think the store is just one thing. Let's start there. But I think thinking of it as media is one aspect that is coming more into the conversation as we're having technology integration that's um, enabling retailers and brands to glean insights to track the attribution of the in-store visit. So is it shopper marketing? Like how, how, how do you, how do you think of it? You know, it's interesting. My very first consultancy 17 years ago was called retail media consulting. (laughs) And and that's because I started in advertising, like you said, and I started as a brand planner where I was saying, Oh my gosh, we're spending gazillion dollars driving people into these stores. And then how's this brand promise coming to life? And how does every single category interaction point supporting that, either for the retailer or for the CPG? And at the time, I really did feel and still do that, let's think about it, most marketing these days is media. And a lot of media is marketing, isn't it? And most of it is, at least if it hasn't already, quickly spiraling to being digitally based. I mean, even when we put a shelf talker at the shelf, there's usually technology behind where should that shelf talker go and what should the message be? You know, we refine our marketing with digital. So I do believe that it's media. It's just, we have to think about what is the purpose of that type of media, but that's kind of the problem. And 
and the opportunity as well. And as I was, I was on a podcast yesterday talking with a larger group about this topic and what's the balance between personalization and privacy. And where we ended up is, is a cross-functional group is, you know, everything these days is about making sure that stuff is relevant. Mm-hmm. And we have to take, as my professor friend at Northwestern, John Greening says, we have to take the approach of know me and help me versus find me and sell me. And, yes. and the last billboard mentality that, that people, you know, like us in the agency that grew up with is not going to work. It's just not going to work. It's just that people lean back on it because it's what's comfortable. But TV's going in the same exact place, isn't it? You know, are we going to hang on to Nielsen and, and you know, Nielsen measures? Or are we looking at connected TV? and personalized one-to-one TV. So yeah, the store is a media. It's just that that can manifest in multiple ways based on what is it you're seeking to create and what are the KPIs attached to it? No, absolutely. And I love that you even just brought up cross-functional group because number one, agreed, know me, right? Be authentic. That last thing people want are those blast campaigns um, with little relevance to them. But what do those parties look like? Like what is the optimal cross-functional group at a brand or a retailer that needs to come together for this to be effectively integrated into a brand strategy. It's a, I was literally in the middle of a white paper yesterday. <laughs> so I was saying, what could it be? And I mean, you, you work in in-store innovation, so you're going to giggle when I say this, but it's so funny how it can start with either marketing or it could be media. It could even be ops or IT. But my favorite group is the CX group. And even when Angela Aarons came on from Burberry and came on to Apple, I was so excited because I was like, yes, we have a CXO mm-hmm. who's going to be in charge of all this because it's so hard because no one really runs the store. Nobody is tip of the spear for the store. We have all these groups mm-hmm. come together. And yet the CX's role is to understand what do people want from every engagement point and make sure we're delivering against it and it's fluid and seamless. And I was so excited about that CXO becoming the person who orchestrates all the different agendas and goals across, I think the biggest cross-functional group I've had to deal with for this was 33 departments. Mm. And that was way back. That was, it was a very quiet project, but I spent three years with Lowe's with 33 departments, over 140 people, creating five different digital signage channels and four different interactive touches. And that's where my book came from, from those three years working with them and their 20 category captains. And it was riveting because we had to bring all the different stakeholders who had a potential stake in the game, either for their KPIs or for the overall goal of how does Lowe's stand apart uniquely. And I think that's what everybody needs to think about is who is the best role to do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's the CXO. And I I have so, so much hope that the CXO becomes a more kind of forward-facing and influential role to bring everyone's agendas together around that customer. Because that's where the media should be. They have to make sure it's working. It's working with everything else. It's the orchestra director, you know? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I completely agree. And on the topic of who's the, what's the right cross-functional group and who's the right, what's the right role to lead it? The other side of the question is what budgets does this pull from? Yeah, because that's the other side of the equation where brands and retailers are always trying to wrap their head around like what, what budget does it come from? You know, how do we, how do we think about ROI? And, you know, how do you guide those conversations? That's again, writing the white paper right now, the religious debate, is this marketing media or is this advertising? (laughs) And (laughs) is this going to be a capital expenditure or not, or is operational expenditure? Because the other side of the coin, which is actually really exciting. And, um, 
thank you, COVID, but um, <laughs> these very technologies, the things that underpin them, the infrastructures are really effective for helping things like staff optimization and um, understanding you know, product placement and planogram placement, uh, product out of stocks. So it's funny. Um, I don't think everyone's really figured it out yet because we haven't effectively come together as integrated groups. I think the yin and yang is the best approach where you look at it and say, okay, everybody come together. How does marketing utilize this? How does merchandising utilize this? And how does store ops utilize this? IT, how can you help us bring it together? What are the KPIs in general? And how do they marry up to the KPI, which we all want the most of, which is sales. And so here's the other thing that's, that everyone's kind of wrestling with. And it's going to be very interesting as we look and see how Walmart connect and you know, Walgreens, CVS, and, and others are starting to really look at their stores media, are they going to be really focused on creating an advertising stream of revenue? Or is it about uplifting sales? And I'm seeing both. And I've experienced both. You know, I've, I've seen where we could pay off up to $80 million worth of, of in-store technology within like a year and a half with just the, the media, shopper, marketing, media, whatever you call it. But the CFO says, no, I, I want 1% increase in sales. So, yeah, yeah I think we're, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where, where it all falls down. But um, we had Debbie House from Retail Touchpoints on uh, the conversation yesterday. And she made the good point of when Walmart, Target, um, all of these guys really kind of bake their, my store, my retail brand is now an asset of media. When they create the model we're assuming most will follow it. So I think we'll probably see in the next three to six months how they're going to posture at Moza. I think so too. I mean, the Holy Grail is like you mentioned, when you not only see the the increase in like uh, brand awareness and, and product education, but also sales and the sales lift usually has that longer tail impact, right? So it's kind of believing in a little bit that that stuff will come. Um, but I also find to be really interesting to me over the past 12 months is how innovative companies like Walgreens, right? Like <laughs> these pharmaceutical companies that are um, stores that are um, that are kind of pushing the industry forward in, in ways that we wouldn't expect. You know, I think when Nike does it, we expect that. But some of these yeah. other some of these other uh, retailers that are doing it, um, they've been surprising. But I do I agree. I think those will follow. Um, how do you how do you see the balance, though, of like what the CPG wants versus what the retailer wants um, and then and then finding that middle ground? Yeah, I had to really go deep into a lot of industry conversations throughout December and January on this topic. And I'll tell you what, what I'm hearing the most of is, <laughs> I'll use the word hope again. So when, let's say Walmart Connect, they're, they're, they're going after a CPG to say, I, I need what I'm hearing. I, I can't validate this, but I'm hearing this from most people, 30% of your marketing budget to be inside my store. Mm -hmm. And CPG says, okay, fine, but particularly if you're asking me to invest in you as a media, where's the measurement? Where's my ability to optimize? Particularly in digital apertures, I mean, for Pete's sake, we've been doing this on mobile and on internet and online media forever. So where's, where's the numbers coming back to me so that I can make the most of this investment? We're hearing that uh, minds are opening to sharing uh, measurement analytics at scale at every point with some of the more evolved um, CMSs, I would say for digital stuff, so that people can start to think about their stores as, I, I think the easiest way to think about it is a, is a physical website. 
how can I take the same principles that we've been dreaming of, the CPG has been dreaming of, for optimizing their messages, their products, um, every product market mixes, everything in the store with digital touch points as they're doing online. We're hearing it's gonna happen. I think that's gonna be probably one of the most important things that can happen is being a real partner. I don't think you can be half pregnant on this issue. You know what I mean? You can't say, I need you to invest all this money and not give back. And you know, it's been the age old debate, hasn't it? It, it, it's always been the tension and I'm really hopeful that as these guys start to look at the Amazon model and how they've taken advantage of their brand mm -hmm. as a place to park investment for media that the retailers are going to say okay now I'm going to be a real partner for you they just have to get around that private label thing you know what I mean you can't take the same data and and become competitive to the CPG I mean, that is definitely a fine line for sure. And, and building that trust right between the two to know that, you know, I'm, I'm gaining insights to help you as, as my, as the brand that I'm curating, not so that I can create my own private label competition. So <laughs> that's a whole conversation in itself for sure. Um, but as we continue to move into this like IOT world, you know, what, what, what does that open up from a possibility standpoint for the consumer? Yeah. So Everything I'm reading is that when there's personalization, when there's contextual relevance at every point, including the store, the brand is more loved, purchased more, it's actually appreciated. And I think what's really exciting about this year in particular, because again, the effects of COVID on the positive side was as, as our dear friend Scott Galloway with his brilliance said, wherever some brand was at before COVID is now 10 years down that road. So if you are already on an innovation path, you're, you're doing pretty good right now in response to COVID. And, and we know which retailers are doing well. If you weren't, you're pretty behind the, the eight ball and needing to catch up. The promise of this IoT is that because 5G's become accessible, it's become more affordable. Um, you've got Intel, you've got people like Brightsign and others who are really ramping up the edge processing. You've got software as a service platforms like Lars, like others that are making it easy for these retailers to solve the problem of relevance and personalization in the store. And you put that in tandem with mobile. And I think what we're going to see is maybe without personal information, maybe it's a little bit more contextual than behavioral. People can go into these stores and have at least on a high level messages and products I should say inspiration, whatever motivation that is as close as possible to what we experience on the web. It's meaningful to you. It doesn't feel like advertising and you can use those same things to create better CX um, special as I, as I like to call it unique experience signatures and stuff your firm does, Melissa, stuff that helps people want to come into that store and absolutely have a delightful experience. And that's kind of the canvas that I honestly thought was going to happen a decade ago. I don't under I don't understand why it's taken so long, but whatever. At least it's here, and we have everything in our arsenal right now to really, really, really take the promise of, of a fully experiential store that's personally meaningful and wonderful to go to. So that if I choose to get behind a a wheel or walk down the street and go into a store, it's because I wanted to be immersed in that brand. If I, otherwise, I could have just picked up my phone and have it sent home. No, for sure. I mean, it's definitely been, again, it's been a, a terrible, terrible year from a health perspective, but one of the uh, 
bright moments has been this accelerated adoption of technology and the opportunities that it's opened up. And, you know, I think with consumers, a lot of it's led whether, you know, we think about it or not by the capabilities of the phone. Yes. So, so for example, I mean, I've had a million conversations around why QR codes now? Well, because your camera can recognize it now and you don't have to yeah. download an app. Yeah. Um, and so it's seamless and also intuitive. If you like something, you're going to take a picture of it. Well, now you open your camera and you're going to get more information. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a, you know, and then with flexible fulfillment and contactless payments and a lot of this stuff, it's, it's allowing brands and retailers to kind of tap into your phone while you're literally standing in their store um, and extending that kind of conversation and, um, you know, adding more product knowledge, um, maybe brand ads or, or video content or, 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 or whatever it is. So, um, but we're always investigating, you know, with this acceleration we're seeing with mobile device usage and in-store technology, like, what is consumers comfortability around these connected experiences? Where are the pain points? Where do we reduce friction? And where do we see the highest value add? So the other important factor for IoT is, is automation. And all the retailers really have lost headcount. And we're trying to make smart decisions with less people. And, and let's look at the fact that right now people are, are doing more fulfillment out of their stores. And this technology may not be as sexy when we talk about it for the operational automation, but it helps us make good decisions that let the associate focus on really servicing the customer versus trying to do the more functional stuff. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And if I loop back a little too to like, um, we had talked about digital signage, like kind of in the beginning of the conversation, we, we recently did some survey um, work with um, consumers and overwhelmingly in the respondents, they were in agreement, like hands down about digital signage being more effective than traditional um, and that they're prioritizing product information and pricing as the biggest benefits. And when we think of product information, that definitely takes like a content strategy too. Um, you know, how, how, what do you think around the opportunities there? And then layering in that level of personalization. The, the white paper I'm in the middle of is about the notion of smart retail media, which mm -hmm. ladders up to a smart store. And again, it's the same principles of online where say it's a macro level. If I can at least see that that's a female of 16 years old versus 55, I can reach in and serve up a piece of content and digital signage that's going to be most likely to be relevant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're starting. When you can get somebody inside of an opted in ecosystem, it gets even more interesting because then we're able to really kind of light up behavioral merchandising. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see that that's Laura there and she buys organic and has X, Y, and Z family attributes. Let's see if we can serve up something that's a fun new impulse and inspiration, increase that basket, but make Laura happy because she walked away with some stuff that she didn't know about. <laughs> you know, again, it's on the, the models there. I just think we haven't had enough integration between those who are running our e-com and those who are running our store. I mean, it's amazing to me. I won't bring them up, but like one of the, the, the top big box retailers, I remember going and walking their future store and I was asking about mobile and I was asking about the digital signage teams. And they said, oh, well, we don't bring them in until after the store's designed. Wow, mm -hmm. you, really? Mm -hmm. You guys said, no, we don't really work with a mobile team. And hopefully that's changed, mm -hmm. but we have to bring these teams together because it's, it, it's already together for the customer. The customer yeah. doesn't care. The customer just sees one brand experience. Exactly. 
No, exactly. I mean, well, there's one that you won't name that didn't that didn't do it as successfully as it could be done. Uh, who do you think's doing it well in the industry? Are there like, you know, if you thought of maybe one retailer and then one brand that you think's really, really doing it well in, in terms of integrating um, purposeful integration and effective integration of in-store technology? For sure, Sephora. Yeah. I mean, for sure. They, God love them. <laughs> you know, the beauty brands have been a lot more focused on, I mean, they know their target market and, and they've been very creative and they've been testing to learn and they've been agile and they're bringing all the channels together and some stuff doesn't work and some stuff does, you know? And I think that's really the, the that's the idea is we're creating the future right now. We're inventing the future right now. Firms like yours are doing this. And, and so I think Walmart is getting there. Um, they're getting there. I'm, I'm excited to see if Target goes in store with Roundel. I think they need to. I, I think they're both very unique brands and have an opportunity to do this uniquely for their brand promises. Um, and, and of course, especially groups like Nike. I mean, I think yeah, that's, it, sure. I like how they've gone gangbusters with the flagship stores, but then taken some of those ideas into the more um granular kind of microcosm ideas that go at scale. And that's, that's one of the things that's frustrated me for years with these flagship projects. And I've been involved in some of them where we test and learn all these fun things, but then the footprint never sees it or they never see right. the outcomes of the things that people really loved. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that's because of a lack of integration, but. Well, bringing up <laughs> Nike, I mean, what I, what I do appreciate what Nike's done and they've talked about it publicly is how they have brought their digital teams and their, you know, physical retail teams together sitting, you know, they sit at the, the virtual table, I guess, together, and they're having a, a holistic conversation about the customer journey um, and not thinking about it in silos. And I do think that's a key, um, a key aspect to success. Yeah. And you know, the digital natives all do it. You look at Fabletics, you look at Adore Me, you look at these folks that come from online and it's already in their DNA. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's pretty interesting. Like I, I love Fabletics because they didn't even start stores really because they wanted to create a retail channel. They did it for research. And then all of a sudden they realized, wow, look at all this great stuff we can do. That's a pretty interesting model as well. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It, it, that's one thing I would say for, for the Lioness group, that's been exciting. Um, I mean, we work with C2C and we work with, you know, with retailers, but a lot of the times when we're working with uh, the digital natives that are coming to physical retail for the first time, they're born on data. They're born on thinking that way. They're born on tracking customer paths and, and understanding consumer uh, behaviors and pain points, and then interweaving that as we're approaching the, the design of their physical retail experiences. One of the things too, that I just would love to dig in a little bit when I think of um, what in reality provides to brands. I mean, it's really that in view analytics platform. Can, can we just touch upon that a little bit? Like the insights that you're able to help uh, these retailers and brands, the insights that you're able to provide back. It's, it's a really interesting company because they've been around for a decade and it's, it's a global company, but started with a lot more <laughs> BI inspired data than we offer now for good reason. And again, you're going to giggle. People weren't using the depth of data we were providing. So oh. They just weren't, <laughs> they just weren't doing it. And, and so we really, again, scaled down to 
at every single engagement point that you're measuring, getting traffic, impressions, engagement, and conversion. Just those four basic metrics. And when you can do that, it's behavioral analytics. You can see, here's the amount of people walked by, here's how many looked, here's how many engaged, and here's how many bought. If I try something else, what happens to that number? If I try something else, what happens to that number? <laughs> I mean, it's very simple P&L, but it's very simple optimization. Yeah. But it doesn't work if you're not at scale. And, and that's a big part of this white paper I'm working on because I think it's very frustrating that we look at a Nielsen model and just do a moment in time um, audit on some of these things versus installing these things at scale so that we can optimize them in real time. And we will never be able to take advantage of a smart media or smart store if we can't start there. It's digital. It's the basics. We have fluid digital connection points. We have to connect those connection points with similar metrics so we can get a wide angle view. And when we do, we can control our outcomes. It's that simple. No, how, so how closely do you work then with your clients? Do you help them with analyzing that data and then referring back possible action steps? No, I have done that in my past and I can do that in my consultancy, but we really focus on selling through the channel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So working with consultants, working with specialty design groups, working with fixture manufacturers, most of them are in servicing the retailer and are needing to provide analytics to help support the ROI and the KPIs of their projects. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. So on the backs of that, uh, Laura, like one of the challenges I've seen too is the disconnection people have found between traffic data, right? And, and, and customer paths and actual conversion data. So do you yeah. integrate into a brand or retail's POS system? Do you feel that that's becoming more accessible than it's had been in the past? We do, and it's necessary, and it has not become more accessible. And that's on the retailers. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine doing online e-com without having POS integrated? I mean, no. So I, <laughs> I don't really understand why it's not more seamless than it, than it is today. It's the weirdest thing. It, I, I do believe in my heart of hearts that will change. It has to change. It's, I mean, and part of it is this notion of, here's the buzzword, unified commerce, but it's true. Um, <laughs> we have to have our digital marketing and, and the things, our engagement points, all tied to POS and the SKUs that we're promoting to what people wear, when, and how, if we're going to understand how effective was it and how do I better serve and retain that customer? It's unified commerce. And again, like, I think that's really hard with old infrastructure, but there's so many exciting new platforms that are out there to change that. And that's what I would really stress to retail IT departments is you don't have to crack this nut on your own. You don't have to go invent this. There are folks out there who've been doing this a long time, ready to catch the ball for you. And there's migration path that you don't have to risk. And, and, and I don't do this for a living. I just see the opportunity and I see a lot of folks trying to create it on their own and causing a lot of cost and time, heartache and lessons learned that are un- unavoidable. Work with the right providers and you'll be able to get there quicker. But you've got to tie the POS to this stuff, folks. Come no, on. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. But I find it's not necessarily a lack of desire, but they're just the way systems have been built. It's more clunky and complex than it should be in yeah. order to 
for these brands and retailers to be able to connect the systems and get that holistic view. I'm excited about the evolution of POS. I have a good friend that just went over to NCR and I'm hearing about how they're moving towards more of a cloud platform. I would imagine most of them are at least figuring out, hoping to figure out how to do that so that yeah. it becomes easier. They can live in a data lake somewhere and be, you know, lock solid protected. But I think that's the keys to the kingdom is getting this stuff so that it's just more fluid and operational without lots of people behind the scenes having to pull the levers. For sure, because then it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, uh, as we kind of bring this conversation together, what is the future of unified commerce? Where do you think it could go? Hmm. I, I use the term elastic commerce a lot because I think it's important given the year we just lived through. Having one unified platform where all the most important feature functions are all kind of tied into it, like hub and spoke approach, your inventory, your POS, your CRM, your digital tools across all channels, your apertures and your ability to see dashboards. So across all of it, you've got AI behind the scenes. And like I said, physical websites, your physical website and your real website are kind of working fluidly. But also with that AI, you've got this ability that we're seeing now to have anticipatory recommendations for what needs to be played where and what product needs to exist where and how you can you know, forecast your supply and demand. It's, it's a very, very exciting time. And, and, and I see a lot of folks with platforms like this. You know, you got the Aptos. You know, we could, we could name everybody that's doing this. But when we have a system solution like that, I think we'll be able to service our customers better. And with that hope goes back to my, my roots, service them uniquely according to the brand promise. Like all these retailers have a brand promise and we need to bring that to life and, and we need to do things that are unique only to them and to start servicing them versus just trying to move them into a basket. They move into a basket because they love us and we're able to service them better. And we're able to keep them longer and boost that NPS when we have everything humming like a good orchestra director, no matter where they reach out to us or where they show up for us. You know what I mean, Melissa? No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love the term elastic commerce. Because mm -hmm. um, I do, I have this picture of this like Gumby in my head, but <laughs> I like the possi the possibilities of that. And, and, you know, I think we touched upon a lot of uh, important things in this conversation and, you know, the store serving as many things, but being a, a, a place, a source of media uh, is one of them and, and how everything is, is and needs to continue to evolve um, from the, the dynamic of the group who's tackling this, the role of the CXO, you know, thinking about where budgets come from, the role of what the CPG wants and that dynamic and relationship with the retailer. So, and I, so I think we, we covered a lot in this conversation. It, it's got its complexities, but I definitely think that we're moving forward and opening up a lot of the possibilities uh, when it comes to an IOT world and what that means for the consumer. I do too. And it, I'm very hopeful for the future. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the leadership to really take this opportunity, you know, bull by the horns and march into it, you know? No, for sure. And consumers, I mean, you know, we're everything from, from voice to, to digital signage, to, to lift and learn technology to, I mean, the willingness from consumers um, and, and, and that kind of acceptance and adoption, I think is opening so many doors of what's possible too, because at least brands and retailers can kind of check the box a little in their heads. Will consumers do this? Well, we know now in the past 12 months, they will do these things. 
So how do we integrate them and really make them purposeful and, and make them better? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. Again, everybody, this is Laura Davis Taylor. She's the chief strategy officer at In Reality. This was a great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time with us. Thank you for having me. It was really fun.